Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Everyone say foundations. Foundations are important. And um, one of the things that, I don't know about you, I hate spending money on things I don't see. You know, I, if I have a repair to do at my house, I hate when I have to put money into the roof, into the foundation. If I put money into my house, I want to see it. I want to remodel a kitchen or the bathroom. Come on, somebody. I want it to be a place that I spend time in, uh, uh, something that I'm going to enjoy, new television. But we don't really concern ourselves with foundations because you don't see it. They're not visible. The only time you recognize a foundation is when it's damaged. And we've all seen families that we looked at and thought, man, they have a great family until they divorce. A great family, you know, they, they have a beautiful house, they drive a nice car, and the next thing you know, they're filing bankruptcy. And usually it's because that they're, even though things look good on the outside, that usually means that there's something wrong at the foundation. And I shared this, and you got it on your shirt, the Transamerica building. You go out there, and everyone's taking pictures of the pyramid, but no one's recognizing that without a great foundation, that pyramid's not going to stand. Because the higher you want to go up, the deeper you have to go. And so my, my, my question to you this morning is this. If you don't want to go higher, don't worry about going deeper. So if you're good with the shallow level of your walk with God right now or your family or your finances or your future, then don't don't let this message bother you. Let it be for the person next to you. But if you want to go higher, guess what? You've got to go deeper. Because the higher you go up, the deeper you have to go. Matthew chapter 6, and we close our foundation series This morning with this, verse 9, just read this out loud with me. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Last part, read it nice and loud. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As you're seated, I want you to notice one thing. Put the Lord's Prayer back up. Go ahead and leave that up there. I want you to notice something about this prayer. Take a look at this prayer right here, and I want you to notice something about it. What do you notice is missing from this prayer? I, me, and mine. There is no I, no me, or mine. There is us, ours, and yours. Because when we begin to pray effectively, it's not about me. 
It's not about what I can get. It's not about what's mine. It's not about the things that I can hold on to. It becomes about yours, God. It becomes about we. It becomes about our. It becomes something about community. And when you begin to focus in only about yourself, then all of a sudden you end up missing out on what God really wants for your life. Someone say amen. And so I want you to see foundationally how important this, this thing is. God has given us a pattern for living here. And first, we, in just reviewing, our Father talks about that we belong. That, that your kingdom come, your will be done, talks about us obeying the word of God. That we need to obey our Father because of relationship. Number three, give us this day our daily bread. Talks about how much God values us. And because God values us, we got to trust him to take care of us. Number four, forgive us. you got to understand that you are forgiven today. God's forgiven you for your past. So stop reliving yesterday and start walking in your, your today. And then last week, I ta- or two weeks ago, I talked to you about lead us. And this word lead us talks about you are victorious. You don't have to fall into sin. God's already given you a way out from that situation. And this morning we close out with this. Yours is the kingdom. What are we talking about? I want you to understand every one of you this morning has a purpose. Everyone say that with me. I have a purpose. Do do this real quick. what, What do you feel? A pulse. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. That's simple. If you have life in your body still, that means your purpose is still activated. The moment you stop breathing, your purpose is done. But the lo- as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And when we talk about purpose, the purpose is so important because when we talk about the, the Lord's Prayer, your purpose is not about you. Th- th- this is the problem that we have finding purpose. It's because we think purpose is about us. But when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's not about me. It's not about I. It's not about mine. It's about others. That when you find your purpose, it's going to help others. It's going to release others. It's going to empower others. And as I help other people, I find that my needs are met as well. Come on, somebody. Your purpose is not about you. So let me share with you just eight principles very quickly. A a few years back, I went over these things, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Miles Monroe talked about the power of purpose. He wrote a book about purpose. And I want to share with you just some of these things real quickly. Number one, I want you to see this. The purpose of uh, creating, talking about uh, purpose here, okay? Um, When we talk, actually, you know what? Uh, go, Go back to that up. Purpose. People have started war about purposes. Uh, marriages have ended because of purposes. Careers have changed because of purposes. Ministries have been started because of purposes. Lives have begun when they found their purpose. Books have been written to describe our purpose because purpose is bigger. Your purpose is bigger than your own personal life. L- listen to me very carefully. When you talk about purpose, purpose is bigger than your job. Purpose is bigger than your house. It's bigger than the car that you drive, bigger than the person that you're married to. It's bigger than the family that you have. It's bigger than the clothes you wear, the money in your wallet. It's bigger than the church you belong to. It's bigger than the the, the watch that you tell time with. It's bigger even than the friends you have. Your purpose is what makes you what you are. God created you on purpose for a purpose. And so when we talk about creation principles, take a look at this. I, I, I ended up jumping ahead of him. Thank you for staying with me, Stephen. Take a look at this. Number one, when Miles Monroe breaks this down, God is a God of purpose. Everything God does, he does on purpose. Nothing happens by accident. 
okay? God is a God of purpose. Secondly, everything God created, uh, he created with purpose. So if it exists, it has a purpose, amen? So the third thing I want you to know that not every purpose is known. Just because you don't know why something exists doesn't mean that there's not a purpose for it. God has a purpose for everything that exists. I mean, every, even, that, even that mosquito that buzzes around your ear at night, there's a purpose for that animal, for that bug. The hair growing out of your ears, there's a purpose for that hair that's growing. You might bother you, but there's a purpose for it. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm sure there's a purpose for it right now. All right? Number four, where the purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know the purpose of something, you're going to abuse it. That's why they, they're abuse of alcohol, abuse of drugs. When you don't realize that those things were created for a purpose to bring healing, to bring restoration, when you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse it. That's why, young men, when you don't know what a purpose of a wife is and you get married, you'll end up abusing her. That's why, wife, when you don't recognize the purpose of a husband, you'll abuse him. you got to recognize the purpose of something before you value it. You don't recognize the purpose of a church, you'll abuse it. You don't recognize the purpose of money, you'll abuse it. When you don't recognize the purpose of something, you'll end up abusing it. That's why drug abuse is so rampant. Because you don't realize God created that drug not to get high, but to bring healing to the body. And when you abuse it, when you don't recognize its purpose, abuse is inevitable. Number five, everyone say number five. If you want to know a purpose of a thing, don't ask the thing. I'll let that sit in for a while because you're always asking yourself, what, what am I here for? Why do I exist? You're starting with the wrong person. You didn't create yourself, so you're not going to find the answer in yourself. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, what are you here for? What are you here for? It's not going to be able to tell me. It can't articulate its purpose. I could use this for a table. I could use this to, to prop things up. But its purpose is for a podium. You never ask a thing what its purpose is. Number six, purpose is only found in the mind of the creator. If you want to know what something is for, you have to go to the creator or the inventor to find out what it's for. Number seven, the purpose is the key to fulfillment. That when, whenever you find your purpose, you find fulfillment. And until you find your purpose, you're going to constantly be fighting and struggling. And, and you're going to find run after money. You're going to run after sex. You're going to run after drugs. You're going to run after family. You're going to run after relationships. But none of that's going to fill that emptiness until you find your purpose. Because when you find purpose, you find fulfillment. Come on, somebody. And number eight, and lastly, is this. The creator always puts his label on it. How many of you drove here in a car today? There's a little thing they put on every car. What's it called? Emblem. That emblem identifies the maker. Toyota, Mercedes, Ford, Chevy. 
but the maker of that vehicle puts its stamp on it. Some of you are sitting here right now, thank God, with clothes on. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Yes. Now, on your shoes, notice some of you have an emblem on them. What, what's one of the emblems on your shoes that you're wearing right now? What was that? Nikes? Skechers? Jordans, huh? Timberlands. You, you're, Timberland put their name on your shoe because they made it. Th this jacket here is Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy is the one that created this jacket. He put his emblem on this because he made it. Follow me. When God created you, I said, when God created you, God put his emblem, image, label on you as well. In the New Testament, when the, when the Pharisees were, were battling with Jesus, they, brought, they came to him and said, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus said, give me a coin. So he takes out a coin, take, takes out a bill, and he, he goes, whose emblem is on this? And they said, Caesar's. He goes, give to Caesar whose image? Caesar's image is on this. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Whatever has Caesar's emblem, give it to him. But whatever has God's image, whatever has God's likeness, whatever has God's impression on it, give to God. Now, you can give Caesar the money, but you belong to God. Come on, somebody. You were created in the image of God. The creator has placed his image on you. And as we close this prayer, I want to close out with three principles that I need you to focus in. God is a God of order. Somebody say order. He does things in order. And when you get things out of order, you end up in trouble. There's a reason why God wants us to get married, then have kids. Now, if you've done it the other way, no, I'm not putting you down. I'm just telling you, you know the battle. You know the struggle of what you go through trying to get through life the other way. You know what I'm saying? Because God has a certain order that he's put things together in. Now, for yours is the kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. The power and the glory. Come on. Kingdom, power, and glory. First thing I want you to take a look at is kingdom. That Greek word for kingdom is basilia. Basilia, God, Jesus. When Jesus came, he says he came to establish his kingdom. And when the, when the disciples started following him, they thought he was going to establish an earthly kingdom. They were going to overthrow Rome. They were excited about following Jesus. But a kingdom is where a king rules. That's deep, huh? Let me explain that to you, okay? What's a kingdom? A kingdom is a place where a king rules. That word kingdom is two words, king and domain. King, a place of rulership, and domain is the area of rule. And so when we talk about the queen of England, she is the, the, she's the, uh, the monarch that's in charge or the matriarch that is ruling a certain area, okay? So when we talk about kingdom, kingdom is a king, a, a ruler that is operating in dominion in a certain area. When Jesus came, he came to bring his kingdom to usher in the kingdom of heaven and it's hard to build God's kingdom when you're too busy building your own 
got quiet here. Well, I can't, you know, I, I, I can't serve God because I, I, I'm too busy trying to, you know, I'm trying to pay the house, I'm trying to get the car, I'm trying to get the watch, I'm trying to get the family, I'm trying to get this, I'm trying to get to this level, I'm trying to build this. Whenever we start focusing it, remember, getting things in order. Whenever we get things out of order, we put our kingdom before God's kingdom, you end up lacking the power and the glory that follow. I'm taking you somewhere, so stay with me, okay? The uh, Americans struggle with this concept of kingdom. In fact, most of you sitting right now, when we talk about this, you're already uncomfortable. What what, what do you mean? Are you saying I can't be successful? You're, You're saying, no, no, success is what God's called you to. The problem is, is that you're taking the credit for it. Amen. Follow me on this, okay? We, we, struggle, we struggle with the concept of kingdom because America is a democracy. Now, we the people might work for the United States of America, but it doesn't work in the kingdom. Uh-oh. We just messed up half the Democrats and the Republicans in this place. <laughs> And the Green Party just wants to throw a protest right now. <laughs> but but the, the reality is this, is that when it comes to kingdom, God doesn't take votes before he promotes. God doesn't take polls before he appoints. God doesn't ask your opinion before he does something. God is king. He's ruler. He's the one, the, the kingdom is not a democracy. And God's kingdom recognizes it's not God's kingdom until we allow God to reign. As long as you're in control, God isn't. As long as you're declaring what's going to happen, then God's not in control. And so what the prayer is all about, all the way from verse verse, uh, 6 or verse 9, all the way to the end of the prayer, is about us transferring ownership and us transferring power, us transferring permission to God. And it's saying this, God, I'm not getting you to agree with me. I'm asking you to change my mind, change my heart, change my motives so that I can come under agreement with you so that your kingdom would be ushered in. Now, now, now how, how many remember the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus? Remember the dude was filthy rich. He, he made Trump look like he was on welfare. And so when he comes to Jesus and said, you know, hey, I, I've, I've done, he's, he, he has his entourage. He's looking cool, rolls up in his, in his uh, you know, his Bentley and everything. Everything's cool. He got all his, his entourage with him. He comes out and says, hey, guys, check this out. I, me and Jesus are going to have a little convo. And he goes up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he knows the terms. He's using inheritance. Because he can't buy it. But he knows he can inherit it because we, that might have been where he got his money to begin with. And he comes up and he says, Jesus tells him, he goes, well, I've been doing those things since I've been, I was young. So I'm good, right? And Jesus says, there's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and follow me. He said, what? Do you see what I rolled up in? You see this Versace suit? You know how much I pay for these shoes? More than your whole outfit. Jesus, are, are you, are you, let, let me check what time it is on my Rolex. You, you want me to what? Get rid of all of this and follow you? You know what's a trip? 
is that the American church focuses in on what Jesus had to, or what the rich man would have to give up, not recognizing what he was about to gain. Follow me on this. Take, take a look. Had he followed Jesus, we don't know if he could have become the greatest disciple to ever follow Christ because of his influence. We, he missed out on watching dead people raised. How much would you pay for that? He missed out on walking on water. How much would you pay for that? He missed out on breaking bread and, and fishes and multiplying it. How much would you pay for that kind of power? Are, are you following me? Because we always look at what we have to give up, not recognizing that when you give anything up to God, God always gives it back to you in a bigger measure. When we usher in the kingdom, I got to hurry because of time. When we usher in the kingdom, what follows? For yours is the kingdom and yours is the Power. There you go. Don't get ahead of me, sister. Don't get ahead of me, okay? <laughs> that word power is dunamis. It's the same word that we find in Acts 1.8, where it says, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to recognize that that, that word power, that word dunamis, literally means ability or strength. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Amen. Now, have you ever seen a stick of dynamite? on television, YouTube, or whatever. What, what does dynamite do? It explodes. And what do they use it for? For mining to make a way if they're, they're putting a tunnel in or they're mining. They have to break some things up in order to get access to what's around there, right? Now, stick a dynamite, although it's powerful, you can take it, put it in your back pocket. You can twirl it. You, you, could, you could hang out with it, put it in your, your, your other pocket. You could put it in your mouth. Until you light it or activate it, it's just a stick. See, the enemy doesn't mind you knowing God. He just doesn't want you ignited. He doesn't want you getting too religious. Don't, don't get crazy now. Don't go getting fired up for God where you, all of a sudden you start showing up consistently. All of a sudden you start worshiping. All of a sudden you start praying. I don't want you getting ignited. It's okay for you to come. Just don't change. I, it's okay for you to come. Just don't tell nobody. It's okay for you to come. But just don't allow there to be an igniting that takes place in your life. Because when the dunamis hits you, there's a change that begins to take place. An explosion that begins to break things up that used to be so hard in your life it changes things God's power was on display at conception God's power was displayed when he when he was at his birth it was displayed in his development in the miracles it was displayed at the death and the resurrection and what's a trip is this Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is what is what the the a like spirit. Kind of like. Are you catching this? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead 
That's, do, that's explosion. Amen. It's in you. Addiction has no power over you. There's power in me. You know what? Depression has no control over me. There's power in me. Same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. If it could raise a dead body after three days, what can that power do in you when you are submitted to God? What can that power do in you whenever you're faced up against a struggle? What could that same power, someone say same. Same spirit is in you. Every one of us wants power. I'm telling you, every one of you here, you want power. Why do you want to get more money? You want power. Don't lie. You want power. Everyone wants power. Well, Pastor Dad, I really don't want power. You're lying. We want to go where we want to go, do what we want to do, when we want to do it. We want to buy what we want to buy. And that's why whenever I, whenever Bill, you know, my favorite time of the month is Bill's. Because I handle those bills when they come. I take care of those bills when they come. My credit rating's way up there. Why? Because there was too many ministers I knew that were always broke and had bad credit ratings. And if we have to live in integrity, I got to take power in those areas. And so when, when the first comes, I handle that business. I take care of it. I feel good when I'm paying my bills. I feel good when I get online and boom, take that. Boom, take that, yeah, uh, right there, uh, yeah, that's right, take it, uh, that's taken care of right there, and I'm not paying minimum, I'm throwing extra money toward that bad boy to make sure it comes down, uh, right there, credit card, uh, you're paid off, get out of here, because why, every one of us wants power, and that's why we see kids, when the enemy comes in, he steals your power, he doesn't give you power. That's why when that kid walks into a a 7-Eleven, pulls a gun, and holds it up against the the cashier, and everyone ducks and everyone bows down, that kid, for the first time, has experienced what power is really all about in a bad way. And when we don't experience the power of God like we were created to, we start looking for alternative or counterfeit power to fill that place there's a purpose for power and it's not just to showcase how great you are but the purpose of power in Acts 1-8 tells us to be witnesses everyone say witnesses but what, what does a witness do some of y'all are like man they put me in jail <laughs> what does a witness do They testify. That's what power does for you. God wants to live in you so you could be a witness to what he's done in your life. Someone say amen. We got to close right here. Worship team, if you would help me. For yours yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And the glory, okay? That word glory is doxa in the Greek. And doxa means splendor, radiance, fame, renown, or honor. It's derived from a, from a word that means to consider, to believe, or to think. Now, when we talk about glory, we talk about the ability to consider the value of something, to consider the splendor of something. See, God created everything for glory. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know who you're sitting next to. Come on, that, that was weak. Tell your other neighbor, you, you're, you're lucky you're sitting next to me right now. Come on, tell them. Don't be afraid. Come on, wives, look at him. You're lucky you're sitting next to me. You're lucky you got all this right now. 
Tell him he needs to know. <laughs> he needs to know. Mankind is the ultimate expression of God's glory. You want to see God's glory? Joseph, stand up. Come on, Joseph, stand up. Come on, Joe. Come on, you're dark but lovely, bro. Come on. Okay? That, that's glory. That's glory. I joke around because we had Bible college and we were studying Songs of Solomon. And I asked someone to read Songs of Solomon, chapter, I think it was chapter 1, verse 1. And Joseph picks it up and he starts reading, I'm dark but lovely. And so that's become Joseph's moniker. So. Glory. Created for glory. That's why ladies don't ever settle for any joker that's not going to acknowledge your glory. They don't acknowledge your glory. They don't deserve you. And don't settle just because you think, well, I'm getting older. Or, you know, who, uh, what if, uh, what if the glory, you deserve great. You deserve the best. And until you value you, no one else will value you. First Corinthians 15. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory, someone say glory, of the heavenly body is different from the glory of an earthly body. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars have another kind. Even the stars different from each other in their... Everything was created for glory. As you read, go, go and study this. You're going to find everything was created to display the glory of God. And even though there's, they're, they're all stars, every star has a different brilliance to it. Every star has a different shine to it. Don't judge your shine based on someone else's shine. Because everyone has a different glory. Everyone has a different shine to them. And just because you blow someone else's light out, that doesn't make your light shine brighter. You were designed for glory. You were designed to showcase the glory of God. Everything around us you see was designed to showcase how great God is. See, I want you to recognize success is vital. You were created for success. Somebody say amen. Not for your happiness. Yeah, I got quiet right there. So wait a minute, what are you talking about? Success is vital, not for your happiness, but for God's glory. Why, why do you need to be successful? Listen to me. you gone through some struggles, man. But the fact that you're out and you're here with a wife and kids, that's success. Amen. And you haven't gone back. The fact that you guys are here in the midst of the battles that you've gone through, some of you shouldn't be here right now. You shouldn't be sitting where you're at right now because you have stories about how that light should have been snuffed out years ago. How the drugs should have stole it, how prison should have stole it, how society should have stole it. But every one of you is here right now because of the glory of God that is, success is vital for you. It's not optional. It's not optional for you to succeed. It's vital. 
Because when you fail to succeed, the world looks at you and says, oh, you're a believer, but your life has fallen apart. You believe in God, but you're, there's no happiness there. You believe in God, but things aren't working out. I want you to understand that you were created to shine for glory. And if you don't succeed, guess what? It's not you that people put down. It's God that they end up putting down because you're the one that declares that God lives in you. And that's why you got to shine. You got a little girl that's looking at you. You got a baby that's looking up to her dad. You have to walk in freedom. You have to step in freedom. You have to shine the glory of God in your life because she's counting on you. It's not optional for me. You got to succeed. It's not a matter of wanting to. I have to. You have to. You got to let the love of God, the shine of God, shine through you. But this is the problem is that whenever we start to shine, look at me. Boom. Watch this. Boom. We just shine. And before you know it, you forget you're the moon, not the sun. You forget that whatever shine you have, you're reflecting from the Son of God. But the moon has no illumination of itself. It just shines and reflects what it gets from the sun. You were created to shine, but that shine doesn't come from you alone. And whenever you try to take glory for the shine that's in you, you end up stealing God's glory. And God says in Isaiah 42, I will not give my glory to another, nor will I share my praise with carved images. What am I telling you? I'm not telling you, don't, don't, don't dim your shine. I'm not telling you not to shine. I'm just saying give credit to God for what the shine you have. Come on, somebody. Never forget the source of your shine. So as I close, really, for sure, right here. Follow the process. Everyone say process. When I give God permission to bring his kingdom, surrender the kingdom to him. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. God shows up in power. I don't have to run after signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow me. Come on. These signs shall follow those that believe. You don't have to run after signs. Signs follow you when you believe. So when we usher in his kingdom, he brings his power, and the result is glory. We're trying to get glory by skipping over his kingdom and his power. And it doesn't happen. So how do, we, how do we deal with this? I want you right now, right where you are, just to bow your heads with me. And would you just repent for a moment? Come on, right where you are. Father, forgive me. Come on, Father, forgive me now. For Lord, being so concerned about my kingdom that I've neglected yours. Forgive me, God, for putting my kingdom before yours. 
Everything that I want, the shine, the glory, I've gotten out of whack. I've been running after glory while I've been neglecting your kingdom. So, Lord, I give you permission to interrupt, to intervene, to intercede and intervene in my life right now. Let your kingdom be established in my life, in my family, in my marriage, in my, my job, in my career, in my home, God, in my education. Lord, right now, I surrender to your will. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.